You're listening to Made for Living Well, episode number 235. And today is a topic I know so much about based on personal experience, and that is anxiety. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to the show. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place where I believe you were made for living well. A home to help you realize that health is not outside of you, but it's in you. And the secret to living that out is to own it, to understand it, and to see the whole of who you are, mind, body, and soul. Today, we're talking about a topic that is so near and dear to my heart, a topic that I know so well, and that is anxiety. Yes, I'm a longtime sufferer of anxiety. In fact, it's only gotten worse as I've aged, but I do have some secrets that I want to share with you, and maybe not secrets as much as reality of how our body was designed, what it does with anxiety, and the truth not only about how to overcome it in the moment, but how to deal with it long-term so we're not as caught off guard by it. Now, what I believe, like all things, is that anxiety is not as powerful as we've made it out to believe. Yes, it does have power. It can significantly debilitate lives all over the world. And I don't want to discount that. Like, I don't want to lessen the severity and the pain and the agony that anxiety can bring to someone's life. I see it. I understand it. But at the same time, like all things, I believe our bodies and our minds are capable of being well. We just have to create the safe space to do that. Now, given this is a topic that is such a personal topic with so many different directions and ideas and thoughts, I do also want to tell you that there is a time and a place to get professional help. I am someone who's had many hours of professional health, much counseling done to help overcome some of these issues. And I don't even want to say overcome them because a lot of these times, these mental problems that we face are not things that we can outrun or escape, but they're a part of our story. But I also believe that we can learn how to lessen them and lessen the control they have over us so that we can regain control over the mental hurdles that we face. And for me, that took a lot of professional help. And for other people, that might mean medications or other avenues that you have to take in order to get the help that you need. Those are all worth it, and I don't want to discount what you've done. I just want to shed light on maybe some different thoughts, some different ideas that you can use in your battle against mental health problems and really no longer have to fight this fight, but stand over it to see them as issues, but no longer live your life with them at the core. So hopefully this podcast helps. As always, I have a blog post that goes along with this. It's specifically about one of the things that has significantly helped me in my own healing journey. And that has to do with more of the lifestyle practices that I implemented to help ground me to create some kind of safety and security inside of my body that helped lessen my own anxiety and depression. So make sure you head on over to the blog at thelivingwell.com. While you're there, sign up for the weekly email because I'm dropping Monday motivation and mindset help every single week that I think can be extremely valuable to your healing journey. 
And honestly, almost all of my classes, especially Health Made Simple, is founded on the belief that your mindset is one of the number one controlling factors of your body. Like, we cannot change your health unless we change the health of your mind and your belief system. All three matter, and they make up the whole of who you are. Health is determined by the health of your soul, by the health of your mind and body, working cohesively together to create the whole of who you are. So if you want more help, if you really want to say yes to health in a new way and break up with the old-fashioned diets and even intuitive eating mindset changes, like to really see the whole of who you are, mind, body, and soul, and how that influences your health, check out Health Made Simple. It is the class that has changed hundreds of lives all over the world, and I know it can yours as well. And the better news is, is I walk alongside of you in that class, helping to lead you through these mindset hurdles, helping to encourage each other in this space, because more than anything in the mindset space, we just need a community. We need support. We need understanding, and we need to know that there is no such thing as perfection out there. It's not about the perfect life or the best expectations or the next plan, but it's about owning and understanding and living aware of who you are. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. So I hope today that this podcast is an encouragement to you, it's motivation, and it's truly just me holding your hand and walking you through the pain of the anxiety, to see it in a new way, to allow it to stop having the control that it has had over us and start to regain that control over your life. Again, not to have this idea or this belief that it's somehow magically going to disappear, but that in some ways, the fear of it will cease. Like it it will just cease to exist in some way. So we're gonna talk all about that. And really, we're gonna start by diving into the idea of What even is anxiety? Because I think we have to understand it in order to know how to deal with it. Now, again, anxiety is kind of a controversial topic. There's a lot of thoughts, a lot of beliefs, but really when we get into the diagnostics of anxiety, it's incredibly difficult to diagnose. And even when we see like researchers study this, we've found that researchers could take the same patient dealing with debilitating anxiety and one practitioner might recognize it, but only 30% of practitioners would define that as anxiety. I mean, it's really relatively undefined and it's a hard subject to define because it's so personal and individualized. I think all things inside of our mind are hard to label, because everyone in their own way has gone through their own journey. They're on their own story and they've gone through their own trauma and pain and we all hold on to it and perceive it in a different way. So we can't box up anxiety just like we can't box up anything in the health space. We have to recognize that to each individual, it stands on its own, not to make it any less or any more than it needs to be, But there is still a lot that we can do with the anxiety that we feel. Yes, anxiety is a very loose term that really truly is hard to diagnose. Honestly, I don't love the idea of diagnosis anyways, because sometimes it's those labels that create stories that become our identity. And as soon as we start to identify with anxiety, it becomes who we are. It becomes our way of life. It becomes a pattern that we'll never be able to get out of because we have made it who we are. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I really just want to dive into the biological mechanism of anxiety. 
Technically speaking, anxiety is where normal uncertainty overtake and debilitate you. It's like where this normal fear becomes more than you can handle. It becomes an obsession that's hard to see out of. Biologically, it's a trigger of a survival threat. So anxiety is kind of um, a two-part thing between our psychology and our physiology, which they always go hand in hand. And I think we could argue all day long, which was first, right? What was the, the bigger issue? Was it our mind or was it how we treated our body? Regardless of what came first, whether it was the chicken or the egg, the thing that really matters is understanding that it's going to take both to heal. It's going to take both your physiology and your psychology and healthifying both of those together to truly help walk you to become more in control of your anxiety rather than being controlled by it. But to our minds, anxiety is where this normal fear and normal worry and normal uncertainty overtakes us and it debilitates us. In a way, it's that fear that becomes obsessive. Like we have a hard time seeing out of it. And when we can't see out of it, we can't create control in order to change it. Now, on the flip side, to our body... This fear, this uncertainty that overtakes, that becomes an obsession, it triggers a threat inside of our system. To our body, it doesn't realize that maybe what we're anxious about isn't actually happening. To our body, perceived threats are as good as real. And so your body is going to take that as a trigger, as a threat that releases then our natural fight or flight response that is going to send out a cortisol response. It's going to mobilize energy. It's going to change our physiology in a way that protects our energy while also producing it so that we can do something about it. That is traditionally our fight or flight method, right? Where it starts to protect ourselves. It starts to shut them down. It starts to conserve, store, and hoard. Goes into the survival response where our body does the best that it can, but it's number one job to keep you alive. It's our natural fight or flight response. And it's honestly a great tool of that. Like we would not be alive without our survival response, without this fight or flight response. It makes us aware of our surroundings and it provides us the energy to act accordingly. In itself, anxiety and the perceived idea that threats are out there is not a bad thing. We all have a level of anxiety. This is normal. And it's not like I want to normalize anxiety and make it okay, but on some level, we also have to normalize it so that we can gain a different perspective of it. We have to realize that maybe being aware of our surroundings, maybe being perceptive of threats is in itself not a bad thing, but a good thing in our survival mechanism. Remember, it's not always just the anxiety causes the obsession with the anxiety. That's where we truly see a problem. What was once a normal survival response of this fight or flight system that mobilizes energy becomes this chronic state of survival mode that debilitates the overall course of your body inside of your mind and also inside of your physiology. Technically speaking, anxiety and the production of the survival mode is supposed to be a very short-lived thing. It's supposed to come in, provide the energy you need to take action, and then as soon as you take action, everything regains balance back into its normal homeostatic patterns. Unfortunately, though, we don't tend to respond in that way, or maybe our problems are a little bit different. Instead of being these immediate reaction-type problems where we see the threat and we can take action on the threat because the threat is immediate— 
which allows us then to take action to do something about it and regain that homeostatic state. What we're often dealing with now are problems that stem from a delayed return environment. Meaning the problems aren't immediate, they're delayed, they're in our future. And when we have problems or all of our problems that exist inside of our future, there's not a ton that we can do immediately to lessen the fear of those things. Let's give you an example. Like say for instance, you have an immediate need, right? Like you're out for a walk and a dog starts chasing you. Well, in that moment of anxiety, when you see the dog coming at you, you have the ability to take action on that. When you take action, it changes or it uses the anxiety for good inside of your body, reminding you that your body takes action, which supports the survival response, which decreases the threat to the body. So essentially saying you're working with your body to support it by decreasing the threat load on the system. And in the process of that, when the dog goes away, you return to your normal homeostatic balance and the anxiety is gone. Unfortunately, most of our problems are not that quick, right? Most of our problems today are prolonged. They're delayed. And we live in this delayed environment where 90% of our problems haven't happened, maybe won't even happen in our lifetime. And yet we sit here festering and worrying about that because while we can see the problem, there's no action to, to lessen that problem. And that's when we start to see the worry expand and grow and become a bigger issue and when anxiety becomes debilitating. It's not the anxiety in itself, but it's when the anxiety becomes our way of life, becomes the only way to protect our body from threats. And when we teach our brain that, when we get ourselves into these patterns, they truly do start to stick. But the good news is, is that our brain has every ability to change, no matter what age, no matter what race, no matter what socioeconomic class that you live in, no matter who you are, we know that your brain has the ability to adapt based on the cycles and the feedback loops that it lives within. So again, if we go back to anxiety and what it is, technically it's this short burst of energy that comes from a recognition that there's a problem or a perceived threat so that your body has the ability to take action and then when the threat dissipates, go back to your normal homeostatic state. Unfortunately, like I said, most of us are living in these delayed returned environments where the threats are prolonged. They're here and they're here to stay. And so we have to start learning how do we deal with those things because most of our problems today are not immediate, they're prolonged. And when we can start to understand that, when we can start to deal with the fact that we recognize most of our problems lie in our future, many of them won't even come to be, we can start to lessen the threat on our body, which is going to lessen the anxiety. Again, anxiety is not the problem. It's what we do with anxiety. It's whether we allow it to continue to grow, whether we continue to fixate on it, or if we start to use that anxiety to our benefit and do something productive with it. And that's what we wanna talk about today. So if we go back to those feedback loops, I have an interesting thought for you to think about with anxiety. So inside of our brain, we have feedback loops. We have these systems and these beliefs and these stories that become our way of life. Now, what we know about our physiology is that it's just a reaction to our psychology, meaning your body is reacting to the thought processes happening inside your brain. 
And the things that you think are based on your beliefs, based on your stored memories, based on the things that you're taking in from your environment, those threats and maybe those perceived threats. Now, of course, if you've had any level of trauma in your life, which most of us have, your trauma is going to amplify your anxiety, mostly because when we have trauma, we're more receptive to threats on our horizon because we've already been hurt, right? We've already lived in pain. And the job, the body's number one job is to prevent pain or to get away from pain. And so of course, if we've been through pain, we're gonna be more receptive of it or we're gonna be more aware of it. So if you've had any level of trauma in your life or you've suffered from anxiety, you're definitely going to be naturally be more of an anxious person. But again, it's what we produce in the center of that. Just because you've been there or you've had that trauma or because your body's naturally more aware of anxiety or you're genetically predisposed to it does not mean that's how your body has to act out of it. Because what your body is going to tell you that if you can somehow control the pain or you can control your future, you'll lessen the pain, but that's untrue. Like our logical brain believes it, but what we know is, is that going to that worst case scenario and believing that could happen to you, trying to prepare yourself for the pain doesn't actually lessen the pain. So instead we have to start to change our perspective of it. And the goal, like I said, is never to get rid of the anxiety. This will only leave you to circulate around it, producing more anxiety. Because anytime we try to overcome it, it becomes the problem. Now, let me go back to that example. I wanna talk about it like an infinity loop, right? So we all know like the circle, the two circles coming together to create the infinity loop. You can just do one big circle. And I want you to put one word that has been your story in the middle of that infinity loop. For a lot of people, that truly is just anxiety. So whatever's in the middle of that infinity loop is truly how your life is the very thing your life revolves around. So let's say you have the affinity loop and you put anxiety in the middle of that. Now, everything in your life from start to finish is going to revolve around the anxiety, meaning whatever that problem is that you're facing, whether it's depression, anxiety, maybe it's a lack of confidence or a different story that you've told yourself, every single person has something inside of their infinity loop. And if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, oftentimes we put anxiety in there, meaning it's a part of your story. You've created it who you are. And when it becomes a part of your story, it becomes really hard to get rid of because you act out what you believe you are. Now, again, I'm not saying we're ever gonna get rid of the anxiety, but I think sometimes we circulate our lives so around these problems, trying to get rid of these problems, that we only allow the problems to get bigger. Because in our mind, what we give attention to grows. So if you hate the thing, if you wanna get rid of the thing, why are we putting so much attention and energy on the thing, which if we continue to do that, it's never going to leave. And I think we do this a lot of times with things that we wanna get rid of, like anxiety. I want to get rid of my anxiety or I want to get rid of my trauma. And in the process of trying to get rid of those things, you only keep your mind focused and you circulate around it, which produces the worst kind of anxiety the anxiety about not being able to get rid of the anxiety. It's a losing battle and I want that to end because in my life, I've realized that I can't get rid of the things that I hate by focusing on them. 
I have to start focusing on the solution. I have to start focusing on where I want to go, on the positive of it, in order to retrain my brain out of it. So I wanna propose a different thought about anxiety. I wanna propose it not as something bad, but maybe as a symptom or as a calibration tool that alerts you of when your body is just out of balance. And I like to take my problems and see them maybe not as the problem, but as a part of the process of healing from the problem, right? Like as the process of overcoming the problem. I know it's like a really fine line, and so I really hope that this is helpful, but it was incredibly helpful for me and my own healing journey. Like anxiety is probably always going to be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the defining factor of your story or of your life. The only way to stop being controlled by these things is to stop giving them the power to control us. And so if we start to look at anxiety, not necessarily as this big debilitating problem that we have to run away from, but as a calibration tool to realize that maybe when we're facing a lot of anxiety, it's just because our body or our mind or a life has fallen out of balance. And so you recognize that when you're feeling anxious, instead of fighting that anxiety, you go back and you take a look at the areas in your life that have gotten out of whack, that you've failed to or you've neglected to support. What are those things that you need to come back to, those rhythms and routines that can help you maintain that level of support that decreases or diminishes that anxiety inside of our life? Honestly, anxiety, if we go back to energy, it's truly just an imbalance of energy. Anxiety, unlike depression, produces excessive amounts of energy. Generally speaking, it's a buildup of energy. Now, we often don't feel this because anxiety, emotionally speaking, can be incredibly draining. But this is where the big trick lies, right? When our mind energy or our emotional energy is different or out of balance to our physiological energy or our body energy, we're going to start to have problems. And this is what happens with anxiety is that we have an emotionally low level of energy, but a physiologically high level of energy meaning your body has a lot of energy and it's building it up and that might be why you get jittery, why you maybe start to feel angry, where you can't sleep at night. Um, Maybe sometimes some people wanna eat, but other people just don't have the ability to eat or the drive to eat. It's because you have so much released energy inside of your system, but it doesn't have a way to escape. You have this massive imbalance in your life. And when we can start to recognize our anxiety, not as a problem, but an imbalance between our psychological energy and our physiological energy, then we can go back to our tactics that we're going to learn in this podcast to help regain balance. And when it comes to anxiety, one of the best ways to regain balance is to physically express energy. It's to do something, to release that energy. And in the release of the physical energy, you start to regain a balance emotionally and physiologically, which takes away the anxiety in itself. The same happens with depression. It's just often the opposite. Instead of having a buildup of energy inside of your body, you have a depletion of energy inside of your body. And so sometimes with depression, you need to find ways to fill yourself up rather than expend it. It's why people like to sleep, maybe can't wake up, can't feel rested. It's just a different approach. And we can certainly talk about that in a different podcast. But for now, with anxiety, you have to know that anxiety 
is a buildup of physiological energy, which means you need to burn that off and live in supportive ways where your body can naturally expel or release that energy. Basically, we have to remember that our body was designed to work and anxiety is produced to overcome threats to our system. What your body believes is needed to overcome that threat is energy to run, to escape, to get away, to do something to change it. So of course it all makes sense that your body would have a buildup of energy and given this delayed response environment that we live in where we tend to not do anything with our anxiety but sit in it, it's only going to make the problems worse. So again, if we go back to this feedback loop, if we go back to this idea that we have an infinity loop and what you put in the center of that becomes your story, becomes your way of life, what you circulate around, then we can start to see that if we can change what we put in the middle of that, we can start to change not only our physiological patterns, but our mindset patterns, which are going to change every single outcome that we have. Like truly speaking inside of our mind, whatever we have a problem with, the more energy and attention we give it, the bigger it becomes and the more likely we are to react in a negative way. Basically, the more attention we give to our problems, the more our brain focuses or shifts its attention to that and creates these feedback loops around that. So like the more negative you are, the more negative pathways you're going to develop because that becomes your way of life. The good news is, is we can change our pathways even if you have a genetic component. Because what we know about our genes is that yes, some people are more predisposed to anxiety. I believe it's my generational sin, which came from a generational trauma, which led to a generational curse and all those things, right? But we have the ability to change that generational sin. Yes, it was passed down in my genetic makeup, but just because it's a part of my genes doesn't mean it has to be expressed in that way. We have power over the expression of our genes based on the action that we take. You're going to hear that word a lot because what we do is going to change the power that anxiety has over us. So again, I don't want you to get stuck that, oh, it's just in my genes. It's in my genetic makeup. I did a 23andMe test and they just told me I was going to be anxious. Trust me, I have all of those things as well. But genes are expressed by behavior. It's the study of epigenetics, which means what you do, the action you take, changes the genes that are expressed. So if you don't give attention to those negative patterns, if we start to channel our threats in new ways, change our perceptions of life, we can start to change the way our genes are expressed. And truly, we can change every single cell action inside of our body, achieving the outcomes we've been wanting to. Of course, most of us believe that changing our mind is very difficult. I believe that too for the longest time and I made it difficult. When we complexify things, we make things difficult. But the truth is, a lot of these things aren't as difficult as we make them out to be. And changing your mind is much less difficult than most imagine. It's really no different than becoming stronger or training at the gym. Your mind works in the same way. It lives off of repeated patterns. So if you don't like the pattern of anxiety that you're living in, we have to start working on different patterns. We have to start reminding it of true patterns. We have to imply truth into the anxiety and start to fixate and circulate our mind on that. I truly believe, and it's stated in the Bible, right? Where our mind is fixated, what we focus our mind on becomes what our mind fixates on. 
it becomes our way of life. And again, these are feedback loops and the story of that infinity loop. So no matter our age, our history, we can change this, but we have to engage with it. We can't run away from the anxiety. We can't become overwhelmed by the anxiety, but we have to start to engage with it, to understand it, and to insert truth back into the midst of the overwhelm and the perceived threats. Again, I'm not saying it's ever going to leave, but we can stop allowing it to have the power that we have allowed it to. Perhaps the best way to do that is just one, to accept the flaw that you have anxiety. Trying to avoid the anxiety or cover up the anxiety or get rid of the anxiety only allows the anxiety to grow. So the first step that I want to give you is if you're suffering from anxiety, own it. Call it what it is. Call it by name and start to understand it. Because what we call by name, we often diminish the power of or we can start to have some kind of control over. So we got to accept this flaw and Perhaps accepting it is the best way to move forward or improve it. Awareness takes your power back. So be aware of it. Again, you don't have to accept it as truth, as the way, as your life. But there is a difference between accepting that you have anxiety and accepting the anxiety of the daily life. Again, just because we accept it doesn't mean we have to live outside of it, but in some way, accepting that we have a problem with anxiety helps us to change our perspective and it shifts our power back to ourselves. It basically allows us to understand that we have a problem and we can't change a problem unless we can see it. So you have to accept it. However, I don't want you to think that accepting anxiety means you can label yourself as an anxious person. Because as soon as we label ourselves, it becomes a belief. As soon as we attach the word anxiety or anxious to who we are, that becomes a part of our story. That sits inside that infinity loop and it becomes impossible to change. So we have to start to see the difference between accepting anxiety has been a part of our story or accepting that we acknowledge it and we're aware of it and we need to avoid or refrain from labeling ourselves as those things because we want to accept it or become aware of it so that we can see it and change it, but we don't want to accept it that it becomes a belief in our way of life. Remember, it's good to have some level of anxiety to help you become aware of the problems and the holes in your life that need to be addressed and fixed. Anxiety in itself is not bad, and I'll keep saying that over and over and over Anxiety is a designed mechanism inside the body, and therefore I can only call it good. It's not the anxiety, it's our belief or our understanding of the anxiety that has created the monster inside of us. But just because we feel it doesn't mean we have to trust it. We have to start seeing ourselves outside the anxiety and start to see that just because we feel it doesn't mean it's true. And when we can start to see ourselves outside the anxiety, even sometimes when I'm feeling really anxious, like I feel like I'm attached or that anxiety has become me. And sometimes I just close my eyes. This is going to sound weird, but I detach myself from that person. I detach myself from my anxiety and I try to look inside to it. I try to understand where is this coming from? What fear is underlying this anxiety? Because anxiety isn't birthed without fear. So what am I truly scared of? And what is true about that? 
If that is not true or there's nothing I can do about it, how can I get rid of it? How can I move it out of my system so it doesn't continue to become who I am, so it doesn't continue to become my life? Our lives should not be controlled by something that does not affect us in any way, shape, or form. And I fear that much of our anxiety is things that are completely outside of our control and really, at the end of the day, have no power to change or should not have the power to change who we are right now. So step outside your anxiety. Understand it. See it. But stop accepting it as truth. And realize that it's probably just a measure of you being out of balance. It's just something in your life has thrown you off. Think sometimes it's just busyness, right? Overwhelmed. A lot of anxious people get easily overwhelmed because we recognize a lot of things in life. We're very aware and very perceptive of life in itself. We also tend to be very highly creative people. And so we like to put pieces together. We like to think outside the box. We're deep thinkers. That all is wonderful and great and things we want to foster, but sometimes that can come with a side of anxiety. Again, we have to realize that when we're feeling anxious, a lot of times it's just we become out of balance. We've allowed too many things to overwhelm our system, and we just need to go back through and remind ourselves that we can go back into that system and get back to our rhythms and our routines and our boundaries that truly help us to overcome that anxiety so that we can get back to those creative places, those deep thinking places, and live in life without being overrun by life. Think of anxiety kind of as like a compass to life, showing you when you're in balance and out of balance. And be aware of it, like check in on it. Understand when your life is getting too far out of balance and when you get too far out of balance, do something to change that. I love how Sarah Wilson from Make the Beast Beautiful, which is a fantastic book on anxiety. You suffer from anxiety, you should read it. But she says, anxiety is like a compass. If I'm anxious, I know I'm going the wrong way. And I think that's truly a quote that we can all post on our walls or remember because it's so true. If we're feeling overly anxious, we're out of balance. And the best way to get back into balance is one, become aware that you're out of balance and then take action. And it's both of those combined that not only help transition you to a new perspective, but they actually help you exert the buildup of energy that you're feeling from the anxiety, doing something. We were made to work. So again, outside of awareness, there are some other things that we can do that truly help in the process of taking back control over our anxiety. Again, not to get rid of anxiety, but controlling our anxiety and using our anxiety to our benefit because it can be a really good thing. So outside of awareness is setting firm boundaries, like going back to routines and rhythms. People who tend to be deep thinkers and highly creative can kind of be a little bit floaty. And I feel like when you get too far off of earth, too far in the space where you don't feel grounded, that's when it starts to feel a little bit more threatening. And when you start to get those threats, we start to fear that we don't have control and therefore anxiety overtakes. So when you feel a little floaty, you want to ground yourself, like come back to balance, which means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For me, it's like, okay, I have those boundaries. What are those boundaries? Those boundaries are things that help ground me, help keep me focused, and help keep me from living in overwhelm. Now, these aren't hard and fast things that I do in my life, but I do try to have some boundaries of like, okay, I'm gonna move my body every day. What that movement looks like 
is up to me in that day. I just know I'm going to move. I'm going to try to nourish my body or support my body with healthy foods. I'm going to set a boundary around my phone. I'm going to set a boundary around my sleep patterns and what I do to fill my mind and what I'm doing to fill my soul. I'm going to pay attention to the things that I'm consuming, not just physically, but with my eyes and my ears. All of that is supporting our anxiety or it's supporting us. And so we have to be aware of what we consume. And I think setting those firm boundaries helps me just to one, not make decisions because decision overwhelm can lead to anxiety, but it just helps me to be clear and what is healthy and supportive for me and what will help me move forward. So set some firm boundaries around the things that you do, around the people that you live with or surround yourself with, around the activities that you commit to, around your work schedule, around your sleep schedule, like set some boundaries that work for you. Keep them somewhat flexible, but also know that you can always come back to them when you get out of balance. You're going to show up. And then the last thing that I can tell you, which I'm going to go into a lot more on the blog, is I love the Ayurvedic properties of dealing with anxiety. A lot of these things are very grounding, earthy things, and I don't want that to sound like super woo-woo, but the reality is, is that, again, anxiety tends to be this floating off where you really just need that security of groundedness. And so I'm going to post a lot of the things on the blog, but basically these are things like be still every single day, find time in your day to literally do nothing, pray, meditate, ground yourself in the truth of what you believe eat heavier meals. Like don't eat a bunch of light floaty meals. Eat heavier meals like starchy vegetables and rice and fruits. Eat oils, sleep earlier, do more walking and yoga, get outside in nature, be in the sunlight. A lot of those things are going to help get rid of the buildup of energy, also ground you so you're not as likely to circulate in the threats of life. When you're grounded, You're not as likely to feel insecure or unsafe as when you're floating. So keep yourself grounded. And again, it's always about burning the energy and regaining that balance inside of your system. Now, again, there's tons of tips that I could give you, and I'm going to share some over on the blog that has truly helped me. But I do not want to think that awareness is just some easy step that we need to skip over. Like it's too cheesy to work. It's too easy to be realistic. I know all of those things and I've thought them. I don't want us to overcomplexify health any longer. I feel like complexity is one of our leading distractions in life from actually achieving the things that we have every capability of doing without it costing a thing. And I truly believe that with anxiety. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Will it ever go away? No, that's a false belief. But the reality is, is we have a lot of tools and mechanisms at our disposal every single day to help decrease the threat of debilitating anxiety. Sometimes we might fall into that, but it's just an out of balance life. So I want you to remember that you may have anxiety, but it does not have to control you. You are always more powerful than what you feel. And if we can start to remember that, then we can change how we react, even if we can't change how we feel. We might feel anxious, but we have to remember that even in the anxiety, we have the ability and the power to change how we react. And eventually that will lead to how we change how we feel. I know anxiety is a big topic. It's something that I've long suffered with, and sometimes I would love to just escape it once and for all. I would love for it to never plague me again. 
And the more I tried to escape it, the more that it happened. And so now I realize that I try to catch anxiety as early on as possible. I try to recognize when my body and my physiology and my psychology are getting out of balance when I'm feeling emotionally exhausted and yet I have this buildup of energy. So sometimes that's like taking daily action and all the little routines and rhythms I instill, knowing that maybe in that day, I don't necessarily mean it, but over time, that's helping to reduce the threat of anxiety or the power that anxiety could have over me. Again, we were designed to do things. We were designed to express energy and expressing energy is a great way to prevent anxiety and to overcome it when you're experiencing it. But I also want you to know that in the process of me understanding my anxiety, I've learned that I mistake anxiety for a lot of other positive emotions. So I kind of want to leave you with this little tidbit that I have for you because it's a really fine line between anxiety and excitement or other positive high energy emotions. As we know, anxiety is a high energy emotion, right? Like I told you, it's a low mental emotion, but it's a high physiological emotion, meaning you have a lot of physical energy. There's a lot of other emotions that produce that high physical energy as well, like excitement, like adventure, like risk. These really great emotions that are actually really healthy and positive for our body. Unfortunately, when you get into patterns where anxiety has become your way of life, it's easy to mistake positive emotions for anxiety. So sometimes I'll recognize that when I'm really excited for an upcoming thing or when I'm really excited for a vacation, that's going to come across as I'm really anxious. And as soon as I start to take on the belief that I'm not excited, I'm anxious, I start to change my perspective about what I'm going to do. Instead of it being a positive thing, something I'm looking forward to, now I'm starting to dread it because I hate the anxiety of it. Now, I'm not saying this happens all the time, but I think there is a really, really fine line and we have to start paying attention to it. I don't want us in any moment to give up the excitement of something because we believe that it's actually anxiety when it's not. So I want us to be more clearly able to recognize what emotion we're actually feeling and not mistake that for anxiety. I have done that so often and I've missed so much of my life and it's so unfortunate because I have let so many positive, exciting, really amazing things fly by me without me even recognizing it because I took those on as anxiety. I missed them because I have lived with anxiety for so long that it became my way of life that I thought I could never experience anything else but anxiety. But the truth is, is we feel a host of a lot of different emotions. A lot of them carry the same energetic load with them. And so it makes it hard to distinguish what it is that we're actually feeling. And this is like emotional regulation that I want to talk a lot about or emotional maturity. I really want to dive into that topic because it's changed my game. And here's what I want you to know. You might be feeling excited and it might come across as anxious. If you feel like this is a situation when you should actually be excited and look forward to, but you're feeling the opposite, I want you to stop and go back in and challenge that anxiety. I want you to go back in and realize that just because it feels very similar, you don't have to respond in your anxious ways. 
because I don't want us to miss the excitement, the joy, the positivity of life because it feels too familiar and too scary that we naturally fall back into those old patterns. And I I don't know how that sits with you or what you're thinking about. I wish I could see your face as I tell you that, but it's something that I have to consciously work on every single day. Because there's so many exciting things that happen in my life, so many things that I could look forward to, so many great changes, and I let them all go because instead of seeing that as good, I found it to be anxiety. I mistaken it for anxiety, and I lost the benefit of all of that positive emotion. So instead, I'm trying to be more aware of like, wow, that was really exciting and celebrating the small things of really sitting in the excitement and not allowing the fear of being excited overcome the benefit of that. Like, I don't want it to take that away. So again, there's a lot of feelings that we have and even an excitement, right? That, that should give us the desire and the motivation and the joy to live in self-discipline, what we talked about last week. These are good emotions that really drive us forward and breed a lot of success. But we have to see them as good things and not mistake them for anxiety because anxiety oftentimes will only keep us stuck circulating in the things that we hate because we've let them. We've created those brain patterns. Now it's time to shift those brain patterns and repetitively provide the positive, repetitively do the good things, repetitively remind yourself that it's okay to feel other emotions, even if they feel eerily similar to anxiety. Keep reminding yourself and then keep taking steps to ground yourself. So it's not one or the other, right? It's both. It's the idea that we have to take control of our thoughts and change our belief systems But at the same time, we need to support our body in very grounding ways to provide the safety that our mind needs to change those thought patterns. They both go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And I don't want to add complexity to it because I think in the end, if you start doing it, it's the very tool, the very energy, the very fuel. You need to see great changes very quickly. So that's my thoughts on anxiety. I know it's a lot, um, and I know it's a lot to process. And again, I'm not here to dismiss anxiety. I'm not here to talk down upon it because I know how very real and debilitating it can be. I know how awful it can make you feel and how stuck and overwhelmed it can leave you with. And I'm just here as a person who's dealing with their own anxiety and working to overcome that, to healthify the whole of who I am, which means I no longer want to be controlled by the anxiety, but use it for good. And I think we can take anything negative because I don't believe that there's a lot of inherently bad stuff that was born inside of all of us. And I think we can take the anxiety and use it for really great things. So like I said, I'm going to give you more grounding tips over at thelivingwell.com that are gonna share you like, okay, these are the things that I use to support the changes that I'm making inside my mind. No one can see what you're doing inside your mind on a daily basis, which makes this really hard, right? Because someone can't necessarily just call you out of those negative thoughts that are circulating when you don't say them out loud. But there's a lot of work to be done, really hard work to be done inside your mind. And sometimes it's unfortunate that you don't get the encouragement that you need when you're doing that work. But you can encourage your mind by supporting your body in those healthy grounding ways. Getting outside, eating heavier meals that really ground you, 
writing, praying, meditating, getting engaged in a circle of people who really lift you up and build you up. There's so much that we can do, and I'm going to list those over at The Living Well, specifically my anxiety-beating regimen that I fall back into when I realize that my anxiety is just pulling me out of balance, right? Or that life has pulled me out of balance, and anxiety is the metric that allows me to see, hey, we're out of bounds. It's time to get back into those boundaries. I'm here to say that we are more than the problems that we face, and we were designed to enjoy life and to live life and to use our health to get out and live. But we also have to see hope in that. We have to see our purpose. We have to see our design, and we have to see it as being built by the goodness of God. So I hope that you'll dig into this. You'll let it sit, maybe circle back around and listen again. And if you have questions, please let me know. I'm an open book. Head on over to any social media channel. I'm mostly on Instagram at madeforlivingwell or over at the website. Leave a comment, send me a message, and I assure you that I read every single message and I will get back to you. But I want you to know I'm here for you. We're doing this together and no longer will we live defined by our mental health issues, but that we will learn to be bigger than them and control them because that's what we were made for. I love you guys, and I hope this was helpful. Don't forget to head on over to thelivingwell.com to get more secrets on how I ground myself overcoming anxiety. I also have another blog post about the seven ways I deal with Sunday anxiety because I don't know about anyone else. But sometimes it's like body memory comes back up at the same time every week. So a few tools to help bust that Sunday anxiety and to help you live well, because that's what you were made for.